The point is, Prime Minister, I don't think we can sell the idea of a tax that asks everyone to pay the same. Our policies may be unpopular, but they are the right policies. Prime Minister, I just don't think we can ask the poorest of the poor to pay the same amount of tax as a multimillionaire. There you go again. Why not? Because... Because people, on the whole, think that the tax is manifestly unfair. Nonsense. Errant nonsense. This is a simple proposition. If you live in this country, you must pay for the privilege. Something, anything. If you pay nothing, you care nothing. What do you care? Where you throw your rubbish? Your council estate is a mess? Your town graffiti? What do you care? It's not your problem. Somebody else's problem. It's, it's the government's problem. When you were young and your heart was an open book Used to say, live and let live. You know you did, you know you did, you know you did. But if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in and cry, say, live and let die. Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Start out with that clip from the movie Iron Lady, which uh, you know what? If you pay nothing, you care nothing. No, though, you don't care where you where you throw your rubbish and graffiti all over the place. You know what? Are we seeing any of that? Are we seeing any of that stuff in America today? I don't want to say I don't want to I don't want to single any particular cities out like Seattle or or uh, New York, or uh, certainly not Portland. Um, but you know what, I probably probably could find that in Los Angeles too, if I was uh, uh, idiot enough to drive out there. But uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we're seeing that all over the place. Everywhere where it's run by a blue governor or a blue mayor, there's no, uh, there's, there's just no, uh, no law and order. There's just certainly no law and there's certainly no order. And if you saw the the state police pulled out of uh, uh, protecting uh, the, the the things in Portland, the, the federal uh, buildings and some of the state buildings. They pulled out of there because everyone they arrested, the judge just lets go. They just, the district attorney decides not to prosecute them. So uh, you could see that uh, we're kind of in that same uh, live and let die kind of uh, kind of attitude in this country. And of course, uh, what we're going to talk about today is all the. Uh, the Democrats in the Democrat convention this week, trying to make sure that everybody knows that the uh, live and let die attitude in this country came from Donald Trump, which I believe is the absolute opposite of what's really going on. But we'll talk about that as we go. But first, before I, before I go any further, let me introduce myself for those of you that are listening for the first time. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities with Historic, uh, historic low interest rates, which means if you're looking to buy a house, you got more buying power. You can buy a bigger house with a lower, with a lower payment, with a lower interest rate. And you can, uh, and if you're looking to refinance something that you already own, then uh, you can lower your payments. You can shorten your term. You can get rid of mortgage insurance. All kinds of opportunities there. And uh, if you're over 62 and you want to figure out that reverse mortgage thing that everybody's talking about. And, you know, I heard some bad things about it. Well, guess what? You heard some bad things from some wrong people because this is a great 
great program. Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 if you want to learn the truth. 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. If you want to talk but you don't want to uh, talk on the phone because it's so personal or you don't want your people at work, for those of you that actually go to work, if you don't want to mirror your personal business, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, and uh, go to uh, uh, scroll down to the Summit Funding logo, click on there, it takes you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, uh, Brian Goodman, or Lance Keisha, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you hear something you want repeated, you can also get it on, uh, on, uh, edhoffman.net, go to the podcast page. You can hear this, this uh, week's show as well, as well as several past shows and you can download it uh, on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free and listen to it anytime you want. It'll actually, uh, once a week, it'll, it'll automatically download as we upload it on Fridays, it'll download to your, uh, your computer or your droid or your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad or your maxi pad, anything you can listen to podcasts on and uh, you can listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient. So if you're just driving over to Home Depot on Saturday morning and uh, you get there and miss half the show because you don't want to sit in the parking lot, you can hear the, hear the rest after you're done on your way back home. So anyway, uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where I tweet about current events all week long and you'll also see some updates on our facebook page uh for the show is facebook.com slash the main event at hoffman and uh we you'll uh, find out what's going on there if you have comments on the show you can email me at ed at edhoffman.net and uh that's i think everything i need to tell you before we go on so this week this week uh we saw the the democratic national convention um, kind of, kind of, we saw the first virtual convention. I guess we're going to see this coming week, um, the Republicans version of the same. And I'm not sure how I'm, I'm hoping there's more of it that's live than, than videotaped because, um, as we watch certain people talk, you'd see them switch the camera from face, uh, from straight on on the face to the side, side look, which, which is an opportunity for them to, to fix to fix goof up. So, Hey, if you were recording it and you stumbled, they can fix that. All they do is switch the camera. So it doesn't look, so it doesn't look like they were uh, patching things in, which I'm sure they were. So uh, it was, uh, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of stupid. If you heard it, the first of the first, uh, the first of this year's conventions happened this week. Um, and the Democrats set the bar low. Um, the Republicans turn next week. Well, should be a walk in the park. When the Democratic National Convention kicked off Monday, the DNC started with speakers in the category of left-leaning Republicans. And let me just point out, you know, in this whole convention, we didn't hear one word about riots going on in this country. We didn't hear any, any uh, concern about violence going on. We didn't hear, hear anything about Black Lives Matter, not a word about Antifa. And uh, all, they wanted, all they wanted you to know is that the, uh, the violence and the attitude of live and let die in this country today is because of Trump. Not because, uh, not because um, they don't want to mention that, that the places where things are the worst, all they have to do is ask, ask Trump to send in the National Guard and it would be over. They would rather put their, their citizens in harm's way. They'd rather let their, their cities burn. They'd rather let, let people get hurt. 
They'd rather let uh, stores get looted and people robbed from. And if you saw the uh, saw the violence on the truck driver in in uh, Portland, and who and if you watch TV, how could you not see it? Because everywhere, where this uh, where this um, this white guy driving his pickup truck, who has a history of of protesting with Black Lives Matter people, he stopped to stop a uh, a white lady, a transgender lady, from being beat up. So he and robbed, and he stopped and tried to tried to get her out of harm's way. And then the then the protesters turned on him and and beat him to unconscious. And uh, and now they're still looking for uh, the last guy who actually came up to him and kicked him in the side of the head while he was already down and uh, and rendered him unconscious. And this is this is the stuff that um, the mayor of Portland, the governor of Oregon, the mayor of Seattle, the the governor of Washington. This is what they don't want to stop with the federal government. And the cops are just tired of of supporting it. They're tired of that. Um, So. Um, so Monday started with speakers in the category left-leaning Republicans who made no secret of hating Trump. These people also known as Colin Powell and John Kasich. I support Joe Biden because beginning on day one, he will restore Americans' leadership and our moral authority. I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that. Yeah, John Kasich doesn't believe it because he's a Democrat anyway. I said it in 2016. I was actually having a uh, a uh, an argument with someone I know from the Victoria Club who said who doesn't like Trump specifically because he insulted uh, John McCain, and John McCain was no uh, right wing right wing hard hardcore conservative. And uh, she goes, "Well, I go, well, who's left? Who's left? There's only a few people left, and Ted Cruz doesn't qualify because he's he has a one of his parents wasn't a citizen and he was born in Canada. And and uh, and then she goes, well, there's John Kasich. I said, John Kasich is a Democrat. No, his first his first debate performance was talking about how we have to put all this effort into to making sure the people in jail are rehabilitated. And I say, hey, you know, what? why don't we focus on the people that don't break the law first before you focus on the people that are in jail? And I said, this guy's this guy's a full on Democrat. Biden, on the other hand, has no positions. He has no standards, no values, no principle, and uh, basically no platform other than Trump bad, me good. So uh, next they move on to the aging ex-presidents who left the country worse off than they found it, also known as Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. It's only chaos. When I ran for president in 1976, Joe Biden was my first and most effective supporter in the Senate. He understands that honesty and dignity are essential traits that determine not only our vision, but our actions. More than ever, that's what we need. Okay, so let me comment on these uh, first. Clinton, certainly not the one to talk about what should be done in the Oval Office. Just in case anybody hasn't said the word Monica Lewinsky lately. Oh, you know, he, it should be a mobile, it should be a command center. It's just the chaos now. It doesn't, hey, Bill, you know what you, know what you used it for? Smoke cigars, eat pizza, and, uh, you know, soil, uh, soil this girl's dress. Um, and if you needed, you needed uh, subtitles to understand what Jimmy Carter said, Jimmy Carter's uh, 95 years old now. And maybe, uh, and you know what? Think about this. Jimmy Carter, 
they're having him come out with an opinion. He used to be the worst president in history, unanimously voted that until Obama got in there. Now he's the second to, to the he's he runs a, a close second behind uh, Barack insane Obama. Um, and he said, yeah, I ran for president in 1976. Biden was my first and most effective supporter in the Senate. Well, if that's not the first bad decision that Biden made, the, you know, that, you know, he, he should be the last one to be say, Hey, he supported me. That was, a, that shows what great, great, uh, what great judgment he has, because I don't think anybody thinks that was good judgment. And because they had to, the DNC begrudgingly invited Bernie Sanders to speak. He used the time to assure progressive voters that he'll still be influential in the Joe Biden presidency. Our campaign ended several months ago, but our movement continues and is getting stronger every day. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. But let us be clear. If Donald Trump is reelected, all the progress we have made will be in jeopardy. Yeah, many of the ideas that that used to be uh, that all their new ideas are now mainstream, like socialism, free stuff for everyone, uh, free college, uh, free health care, free, you know, free, free health care and college for illegal aliens. Well, us legal legal citizens have to pay for it. Um, Free, free income, free this, free that. No one should have to pay for anything because, you know, not everybody works hard enough to support themselves. So we should just make everybody else work harder so they can support the lazy. Um, and don't forget the other thing, uh, not all lives matter, but only black lives matter. Do black lives matter or do all lives matter? Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Um, that was from the uh, 2016, one of the uh, 2016 Democrat uh, um, Democrat debates. And remember that uh, during during those during those uh, debates, uh, when it came down to Bernie and and Hillary Clinton, the blue-haired lady Donna Brazil, who was uh, one of the one of the leaders of the uh, Democrat Democrat uh, National Committee, uh, made sure they gave Hillary the the question so she'd be ready for him. While uh, well, because they didn't want Bernie to have the the nomination, and he was leading. Um, not to mention, he's showing he was before they shut down the primaries. He had a pretty good shot going, and at some point they used that as an excuse to get everybody to quit and support Joe Biden. People that actually could talk straight, that had had ideas, that they could actually finish a sentence, that they could actually remember what they had for breakfast this morning. People that could uh, remember, you know, what state they were in. Uh, they all got they all they all suddenly resigned and got out of the race and all and all supported Joe Biden at the same time. Do you how do you think that happened? Hmm, I don't know. Then they trotted out one of their current favorites, the leader of the of the state with more COVID deaths than any other, and somehow that makes him the national and national hero, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. New Yorkers were ground zero for the COVID virus and have gone from one of the highest infection rates on the globe to one of the lowest. We climbed the impossible mountain, and right now we are on the other side. Our nation is in crisis, and in many ways, COVID is just a metaphor. A virus attacks when the body is weak and when it cannot defend itself. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. 
As they proved their way failed, we proved that our way succeeded. And for all the pain and all the tears, our way worked. And it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful when the uh, when uh, Cuomo actually mandated that nursing homes take in COVID COVID patients, which basically you put a you put a COVID patient in with a bunch of people that had no uh, had no defenses against COVID, and thousands of people died because of that. And it wasn't just he didn't say don't put them in in nursing homes. He mandated that nursing homes weren't allowed to turn them away. While the nursing homes say, hey, we're not set up for that. We're not set up for that. And people died. But their way worked. And, you know, and he's, he, he points his finger at Trump like Trump is not paying attention, not doing anything. Seems to me there was a, a clip that I, that I, I don't have, have uh, with me today where, uh, where he's, where uh, Cuomo, this is a couple of months ago, where he's praising Trump for building makeshift hospitals, for bringing in the, the uh, the the mercy the the mercy or the or the comfort one of the one of the big navy ships he had one of them pull up in New York Harbor and one in L.A. Harbor to uh, for hospital space with a thousand beds in each to uh, treat COVID patients he um and he created he created hospitals everywhere and and he and he was a praise from from Andrew Cuomo today he's insulting Trump as if it was his fault. But the big star of the night, or at least if you listen to the media, it was, was former First Lady Michelle Obama. Remember how she notoriously hated living in the White House? Remember how she was never proud of her country until her husband became president? Well, forget all that, because this Michelle Obama is someone who loves America and knows what's best for it. So let me be as honest and clear as I possibly can. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. Well, she says so, so it must be. And, uh, and remember, uh, remember about the, the great things that, that her husband did. You know, he uh, he raised taxes. He stopped uh, drilling so he could become energy independent. He uh, he blew ten trillion dollars on giving people giving people money for doing nothing. Uh, he he got us into the Paris cli- climate uh, uh, the Paris climate accord, whatever it was called. Um, you know, in two thousand eighteen, where he negotiated he negotiated that um, we're going to basically shut down our economy to make sure that we keep the air clean and the water clean, but China's allowed to keep polluting at whatever increase of pollutants that they want all the way through 2030. Well, this is in 2018, 2018. Wasn't that when we were told that 12 years from now, the, that the world's going to be gone. It's going to be too late, but Obama got us into a deal where China can keep polluting for 12 more years. And then wherever they're at, they're just not allowed to increase it. They can continue to pollute like that. Uh, I just don't get it. Here's some of the, here's some of the media, some of the media's reaction to Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is riveting, was riveting. One of the best speeches I've heard her give, and I've heard her give many speeches. It's not only that she was emotional and uh, a mother, and seem to be a truth teller. She is clearly one of the most talented political minds of our time right now. 
Yeah, and they forgot to talk about how sexy her arms are. Oh, her arms are so great. And uh, and uh, and here's here's a question I have. Hey, Michelle, you and Barack went into the White House with like a net worth of fifty five dollars, and you came out worth about twenty six million. I don't know how that happened, but you got all that money. Why don't you get your teeth fixed? Why don't you get your teeth fixed? I live in Britain. I don't want to stand out. Yeah, she doesn't live in Britain, but, you know, uh, same kind of thing. Tuesday night, a less, a less talked about conven- uh, convention event was the actual nomination of Joe Biden as the party's presidential candidate. Made for an awkward picture as Joe and wife Jill stood in Delaware School Library with their grandkids around them, showered them in yellow streamers rather than the tra- traditional red, white, and blue. What made it more awkward was Joe's now trademark appearance of confusion with his surroundings. I'm pleased to announce that Vice President Joe Biden has officially been nominated by the Democratic Party as our candidate for President of the United States. Vice President Biden is hereby invited to deliver an acceptance speech. Well, thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart, and I'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, what a great acceptance speech. Remember the roll call of the delegates uh, and official nomination is usually a high point of the convention. So if liberals in the media were more uh, excited about Michelle Obama than the actual nomination of their candidate, what does that say for the say in terms of how they feel about Joe? Apparently not very excited. Also on night two uh, was the president was the president who has no business criticizing Trump on health care, the economy or foreign policy. But he did it anyway. Barack Hussein Obama. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. 170,000 Americans dead. Millions of jobs gone. While those at the top taken more than ever. Our worst impulses unleashed. Our proud reputation around the world badly diminished. And our democratic institutions threatened like never before. Yeah, I think... uh... I think that's all all because of Trump, uh, especially if you aren't paying attention for the de- people that watch this stuff and don't say, you know, this is this is all smoke and mirrors. Um, we all need to talk to those people because that's the that's the the media, the media um, lie that the Democrats and the media are putting together. And finally, we heard from the party's last nominee, the one who said she would be horrified if Trump refused to accept an election loss. And yet that's kind of exactly what she's been doing for the last four years, Hillary Clinton. For four years, people have told me I didn't realize how dangerous he was. I wish I could do it all over or worse. I should have voted. Look, this can't be another woulda, coulda, shoulda election. Joe and Kamala can win by three million votes and still lose. Take it from me. Oh, B.S. And uh, how dangerous is he? He got everyone working, brought jobs back, closed our borders for uh, for COVID when everyone said said no, he's being racist. Um, he lowered taxes, reduced regulations, got our economy cooking. Uh, doesn't everyone understand that that's what government is supposed to do? Is is get our create the environment so we can pursue happiness? Not to mention. In the middle of impeachment trial, he uh, he purchased about a gazillion barrels of oil at like I don't know thirty dollars a barrel from uh, from one of the other countries that was that was just kept pumping them even though the price of oil was going down. In the middle of everything, hey, well as long as they're giving them to us for thirty bucks a 
a barrel. Let's buy a whole bunch of them to put in our reserves. And in the midst of everything else that's going on, he uh, he created the opportunity for a company that basically was doing nothing, Kodak, to start uh, start um, creating, uh, start producing chemicals to make generic drugs so that we get rid of our, our dependence on China for our, uh, for our prescription medicine. Uh, something I think, hey, he's doing multitasking. He's doing all this stuff. He's not paying attention to the noise. He's making stuff happen. In my eyes, that's my president. Anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, part one of the main event, so stay tuned. And I'll continue on, this, uh, on everything that happened in the Democrat uh, convention this week. Uh, stay tuned for five minutes, commercials, traffic, and weather, and we'll be right back with part two. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on this show, but in this environment, I think I should be. Um, but again, if you're uh, if you own property that you want it, that you want to get refinanced, pull out some cash, lower your payments, lower your term, get rid of mortgage insurance, uh, anything that benefits you financially, um, or maybe get cash available for when the re- from the when the uh, the fallout of of keeping our economy economy shut down this long uh, turns into foreclosures. If you're interested in that, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. If you're interested in buying a new property you don't already own, call me toll free area code 855-640-2020. And if, you, uh, if you're a senior and you want to find out about a uh, reverse mortgage and find out you know what's the real truth about that, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo and we can do it the cyber way, the 2020 way. Um, so we've been talking about the, uh, the Democrat national convention this week. Um, we got through, uh, the first two nights. Um, night three was a much anticipated Kamala Harris speech. And there's a lot to unpack here. So let's start with the intro, which is roughly a 10 minute uh, video of various female family members saying how much they love her peppered with some predictable feminist BS. Uh, nothing says I'm qualified to be vice president, like having your stepdaughter, sister, and niece, and a bunch of warm, fuzzy memories of you with America. To my brother and me, you'll always be Mamala, the world's greatest stepmom. You're my role model who taught me I could do and be anything I wanted. My very first friend, my confidant, my partner in mischief and in justice. You're a rock, not just for our dad, but for three generations of our big blended family. You showed me the importance of public service and made sure I grew up surrounded by smart, strong, ambitious women every day. Growing up, heaven help the poor kid who picked on me because my big sister would be there in a flash, ready to have my back. Well, now we've got your back as you and Joe fight to protect our democracy. And there's no union more perfect than the one that brings us all to your kitchen table every Sunday night for stir fry, feta chicken, or spaghetti and meatball family dinners. Yeah, because it's so it's so unusual. Such a standout performance for people to go over to their parents' house for on Sunday dinner for uh, spaghetti or chicken or or uh, whatever else anybody cooks up that's a family favorite. It's so it's just so unusually leadership leadership uh uh worthy i don't know it's maybe i'm just being a little bit uh cynical but i don't think so then kamalas took stage to uh speak to a room of socially distanced delegates and if you looked at the floor when the camera panned out you saw some states didn't even send a delegate 
which is too bad because they missed out on the all this nonsense like this stuff. Right now, we have a president who turns our tragedies into political weapons. Joe will be a president who turns our challenges into purpose. There is no vaccine for racism. We've got to do the work. The constant chaos leaves us adrift. The incompetence makes us feel afraid. The callousness makes us feel alone. It's a lot. And here's the thing. We can do better. Yeah, we can do better. Turns tragedy into weapons. We turn tragedy into political weapons. I think it was uh, Barack Obama's uh, chief of staff. Was it uh, Rahm Emanuel who said, uh, don't ever let a crisis go to, go to waste? Because with every crisis, there's a political opportunity. I think that was a Democrats thing. And uh, the racism, are we blaming all this stuff on, on Trump? All this racism stuff seems to me like he created the, the lowest uh, black unemployment, lowest uh, Hispanic unemployment, help people uh, create their own happiness, put people in a position. Hey, you know what? You don't have to just give free stuff to people to show you care about them. And the chaos. Trump's creating chaos. How's Trump creating chaos? It seems to me. And the incompetence makes people feel afraid. You know what's making people feel afraid is the Democrat governors and the Democrat mayors and the uh, and the all the blue leadership, all the Democrat leadership in this country that are purposely you can't you they can't be stupid enough to think that they're that their constituents like the violence going on. You can't say that. You can't say that their constituents, the citizens of Portland, the citizens of Seattle, the citizens of L.A., the citizens of, of New York City, that they like this stuff. People are afraid. They're afraid because of the violence. And could Trump stop it? All they have to do is ask. And the problem is Trump needs to wait for them to ask because if they won't let him, that, that's part of the government. They can't send in the National Guard without the leadership of that state or that city to say, hey, we need it. Send it in. So it's, it's, you know, it's amazing how, Hey, we could do better. What could you do? Because so far I've only, the only thing I've heard from you or Obama or you or Obama, I'm sorry, you or Biden is say, and it's probably the same thing we hear from Obama. The only thing that we hear is Trump, bad, me, good, Trump, bad, me, good. And this, and the scary part is that you hear these kids believing it. Then there's a part where she not only blamed president Trump for COVID, but she also pretended like, He's the one keeping America's kids from going back to school. I think it's the other way around. Donald Trump's failure of leadership has cost lives and livelihoods. If you're a parent struggling with your child's remote learning, or you're a teacher struggling on the other side of that screen, you know what we're doing right now is not working. Yeah, what we're doing right now is not working. And that's keeping people home from work, keeping businesses closed, keeping uh, kids away from school. Is Trump doing that? I don't think so. Trump wants to put people back to work. He wants to open the economy back up. He wants kids back in school. He said, hey, all you college, college football players, you're young, healthy, vibrant, strong bodies. Let's have college football. Nope, we can't have that. They're going to shut down college football because we're afraid of some college kids uh, you know, getting sick for a couple of days. 
because so far everybody I know that's that's been tested positive is over it in three days. So maybe that's not everybody, but the healthy ones that got it and the little kids that get it don't seem to have any symptoms at all. If they get, if they even get it at all, let it go through. Let the kids go back to school. We're killing them in their in a in a different kind of way. Let's not be afraid of a virus, which you know November fourth is going to be cured, regardless who wins. But before all that, she began her speech talking about her own rise to power, from an average prosecutor to San Francisco district attorney to California attorney general to United States senator. This is important for a lot of us to know how she was able to rise to the top so quickly. Her well-documented relationship with then-state Assembly Speaker Willie Brown, who later became mayor of San Francisco, who uh, happened to be married while while uh, him and Kamala were dating. So she kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, she uh, I'm trying to think of a way I can say it that uh, the radio will be okay with, but she slept her way to the top. In 1990, Harris was hired as Deputy District Attorney in Alameda County. Four years later, Brown appointed her to the State Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board. Later, he gave her another promotion to California Medical Assistance Commission. This is what gave her her profile needed to get noticed by San Francisco DA Terrence Hallinan, who in 1998 recruited Harris as an assistant district attorney. There, she became the chief of career criminal division, supervising five other attorneys, where she prosecuted a lot of a lot of three strike strike cases, which is our uh, which, as our guest Bevelyn Beatty uh, pointed out so beautifully last week, she put a lot of black people in jail for life. But Kamala's version of the events breezes over all that. Every step of the way. I've been guided by the words I spoke from the first time I stood in a courtroom, Kamala Harris for the people. I have fought for children and survivors of sexual assault. I fought against transnational criminal organizations. I took on the biggest banks and helped take down one of the biggest for-profit colleges. I know a predator when I see one. And right now she's uh, running uh running uh, side by side for him as his vice president. She did some other stuff too. If you remember uh, a moment at the democratic primary debate when Tulsi Gabbard effectively ended her, uh, her run for the, for the presidency. Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting vice president Biden at the last debate. You called it a quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected attorney general of California, I did the work of 
significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work of being in the position to use the power that I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about reentering former offenders and getting them counseling. It is why and because I know that criminal justice Thank system you, is Senator. so broken, that I am an advocate for what Thank we you, need Senator. to do to not your, only decriminalize, but legalize marijuana in the United States. I want to I bring uh, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard back in. Your response, The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. Yep. That's what, uh, that's what I always say. It doesn't matter what you, what you say you did or what you, what you say you're going to do. It's when you're in that moment of decision, how do you react? When you're in that position and it's time to pull the put the pull the trigger, when it's time to actually do something heroic, what did you do, regardless of whether it was right or wrong or uh, or good or bad for your career? So let's talk about how Democrats view her uh, career up the ranks. Steve Hilton, host of the Next Revolution on Fox News, says he personally knows a lot, a lot of powerful California Democrats with strong opinions about their former colleague, Kamala Harris. She they just don't give those opinions in public. They all say the same thing about her. She is totally <laughs> unprincipled. She doesn't believe in anything. She does all, all that she does, including the cases she brought when she was DA in San Francisco and attorney general. And what she focused on there was to advance her own political ambitions. Then there's something we all need to know about her record of prosecuting predators, and it speaks to uh, her character. And one thing that particularly stands out to me that I think needs much more attention while she was district attorney in San Francisco, she covered up child sexual abuse by the Catholic Church. She took the side of the church who were her political backers, donors, the powerful political machine in San Francisco against victims of child sexual abuse. That's who she really is. So if you have that, if you're at that moment and you have opportunity to do something great, but it means that you might be walking away from people that donate to your campaign. You walk away. If that's leadership, then you guys should uh, vote for uh, Harris and Biden. When Kamala's speech concluded, the camera swept to a Zoom style video wall showing 30 little boxes of women applauding Harris supposedly live. But the eagle eyed viewers caught three instances of duplicated fans in the 30 spaces. You know, if it was just nine, like the beginning of the Brady Bunch, you'd notice if they put Greg or Alice or or uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha three times. Um, one woman appeared in two boxes separated by a single column. Another one was sporting a pink uh, vagina hat in a, in a duplicated feed. And Harris waved at the screen at the women, waved back. Again, supposedly this was live. Some of, their, some of the funnier tweets out there, uh, someone uh, tweeted, apparently the DNC couldn't even find 30 people who were excited about Kamala Harris, so they had to duplicate some, someone's live stream. Um, someone named Fast Eddie put, there are at least three duplicates. Really embarrassing. And the last one, the last one was uh, from Jewish Deplorable. With mail-in voting, they'll be voting, twi- they'll, they'll be voting twice as well. So anyway, let's go on to Thursday night. Um, Thursday night was uh, Joe Biden night. He looked like he uh, 
went to Dr. Feelgood, as they called him back in the 60s, uh, the doctor who'd shoot up uh, John F. Kennedy and other celebrities with, uh, with speed and uh, say, hey, we're giving him a, uh, they're giving him a B12 shot. The speech highlighted four areas of present, that President Vitus would focus on first, the pandemic, the economic downturn, racial justice issues, and climate change. So uh, I like to, uh, I'm going to bring in one of my borrowers, one of my clients, and a lady named Shirley Zider, who apparently uh, had nobody else to uh, rant to after the, after the uh, during or after the, the Biden speech. Actually, I got this text, and I'll, and I'll, play, some, I'll play some things that go with it. Um, starting a, he started out with a clip of Obama. And uh, so he, she said, Biden just started BSing and I'm getting ready to puke. We shall overcome and other lines must be close to his bedtime. And uh, he started out with thanking President Obama. Let me take this moment to say something we don't say nearly enough. Thank you, Mr. President. You were a great president, a president our children could and did look up to. No one's going to say that about the current occupant of the White House. Yeah. How do, how do we know that no one's going to say that? I'm saying thank you to, to President Trump. I'm thanking him for bringing back the opportunities to be great. Not for him, for my kids, for my grandkids. You know what? I got to where I am not because my parents were rich, because my parents weren't rich. Not because my, my, my dad was a great example, because he was a great example of everything I didn't want to be. I've, since, I've, I've uh, spent many a minutes on this show explaining that he was everything I didn't want to be, not because of any other particular particular silver spoon that I got, but because this is a land of opportunity. And if you want something, you can work hard for it. And uh, and that's that's what um, I thank our president for. And I think millions of other Americans will will are thanking Trump for. We'll go on with uh, Shirley Zider's uh, uh, comments. Who we want to be? Yes, Joe. After four years, you still haven't been able to figure it out. Or do you give a crap about it? I want a president, a CEO, a forward thinker, a negotiator, a problem solver, business-oriented national policy negotiator liaison, not a father, not a consoler, not an apologist. Oh, cool. Biden is going to have an immediate test, have an immediate test and Fed mask mandate. Under what federal statute? The day he's inaugurated. Sorry, Joe. And, and then she says, sorry, Joe, you're not the only one who suffered a loss. Didn't Trump just lose a brother? who he was able to visit in the New York hospital. Then he boarded a plane to do the nation's business. No word on the family funeral. And from my, from my standpoint, nothing but incredibly mean, heartless things on, on social media about it. Oh, the wrong Trump died. That stuff that, stuff that just angered me to throw my, throw my phone through the wall. But uh, here's Biden trying to exploit his, his kid's death some more. But I've learned two things. First, your loved one may have left this earth, but they'll never leave your heart. They'll always be with you. You'll always hear them. And second, I found the best way through pain and loss and grief is to find purpose. Yes, he's got he's got purpose, and uh, that purpose is make sure that uh, you ex- exploit you extract you. Uh, you extract money from other countries from that you give them through our tax fund and uh, and just uh, extort it is the word I'm looking for. Extort it and and just say whatever, whatever anybody says that'll get you elected. Doesn't don't have any don't have any standards, don't have any morals. 
don't have any, uh, don't ever have any values. Shirley Zider goes on climate change. Oh yes. Those new good paying solar jobs that can't store energy like pumped crude oil storage can just sucked California into rolling blackouts. Green new deal. This is horse crap. That is un, uh, well, that is inherently unreliable because after all it involves weather farming. Learned a lot about weather economics called snow farming in the ski industry. Now Joe, Joe is touting his wife as the strength of the family and pulling him back after his first wife died. No comments by him about violent protesters. Isn't that his silence? Isn't that his silence is complicity? And then what's this crap about the hard work about racism begins now? What the hell has he been doing all these years since he didn't want his kid growing up in a racial jungle? I met with six-year-old Gianna Floyd the day before her daddy, George Floyd, was laid to rest. She's an incredibly brave little girl. And I'll never forget it. When I leaned down to speak to her, she looked in my eyes and she said, and I quote, Daddy changed the world. Daddy changed the world. Her words burrowed deep into my heart. Maybe George Floyd's murder was a breaking point. Maybe John Lewis is passing the inspiration. But however it's come to be, however it's happened, America's ready, in John's words, to lay down, quote, the heavy burden of state at last and to end the hard work of rooting out our systemic racism. Yeah, well, the hard work begins. You know, he's when he leaned down to talk to her, he tried to smell her hair, but apparently, yeah, she started talking and and got and he's he couldn't he couldn't get his nose into her ha- into her hair yet, um, and uh, and then uh, going back to Shirley's uh, Shirley's comments, he asked God to do a couple of things, but not God bless the United States of America, which is how he ended the speech. This is our moment to make hope and history rhyme with passion and purpose. Let us begin, you and I together, one nation under God, united in our love for America, united in our love for each other. For love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. And light is more powerful than dark. This is our moment. This is our mission. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight as love and hope and light join in the battle for the soul of the nation. And this is a battle we will win and we'll do it together. I promise you. Thank you, and may God bless you, and may God protect our troops. Yeah, God, God bless us, and God protect our troops. He never says anything about the troops. The whole his whole campaign hasn't said a damn thing about anybody about our the strength of our military that Trump built up, the fact that uh, we killed the caliphate uh, going on in the Middle East, and that we're uh, that we're creating a more stable Middle East. And uh, rooting out a lot of the a lot of the uh, problems that we had in the world when him and Obama were in the were in the leadership, uh, but you know he he went to the end and said, "Hey, and God bless our troops." Couldn't you just say "God bless the United States of America" to end it like most presidential people do? I don't know. And uh, Shirley ends her tweet or her tweet her text to me after thirty years of trying. His speech still sucked. However, if a Democrat pollster calls me, I'll say doddering Sema. I'll say. Doddering senile, creepy, creepy Uncle Joe is my choice. And under my federally mandated mask, my muffled whisper will be for, will be, 
for a gopher catcher. Wouldn't even let him be the local dog catcher. Glad to hear purple hair. Donna Brazil says that was from his heart because his brain surely isn't fully functioning. Shirley, thanks for a great tweet. You helped me finish off my show today. Um, so in talking about that. So, you know what? I can't wait to hear how the uh, how Trump and the Republicans follow this up with actually some substance, some talk about what what we have to do to to get rid of the to get rid of the violence and the uh, and the and the looting and the destruction going on and get some law and order in this country and talk about what it's going to take to get our economy back roaring and get people back to work and get uh, and, you know, this, you know, this COVID is going to be over. November 4th, you know, this is a big, I, you know, I was at uh, Loma Linda yesterday. I had to go have a uh, particular procedure and I had to have a COVID test the day before. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, I'm, I don't have any symptoms. I don't have any reason to believe that I will, that I have any chance of testing positive, but I just don't really feel comfortable with this testing stuff because I think, I think it's all BS. And the lady on the other, on the phone that told me I had to have a COVID test said, uh, well, that makes two of us. The people working in healthcare even know it's BS. The testing is BS and the, uh, and the whole, the whole thing is BS. So anyway, folks, um, keep your eyes open, keep your mouths open so you can tell people about what you think. Don't be embarrassed to say you support Trump. Don't be embarrassed to say that, that Biden is, is all BS. Don't be embarrassed to tell your kids and your neighbors and your, and your coworkers because the Democrats are sure spreading their word and they, then they know how to, how to get together and make things and uh, show some unity. Let's us Republicans do it uh, before election day. So more people aren't embarrassed to go out there and some people might be embarrassed to vote for, for Biden and they, or they don't want to vote for Biden and they don't want to vote for Trump because they don't want anybody to know who they voted for. You know what? I'm proud to say I'm voting for Trump and I'm voting for everybody else who has an R next to their name. So anyway, uh, folks, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1012658. Arizona MLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.